How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another Emerald City Hockey post game live. Her game that it got away, right? I mean, that's the only way I can really describe this one is that it's a game that got away, and it's really unfortunate given St. Louis is one of the teams that you know the Kraken are chasing for a wild card spot. If ever there wasn't a game for this to happen, it was this one. Uh, unfortunately, that's what happened is the Kraken lose 4-3 in overtime after at one point having a 3-1 lead. Oh, it's it's some tough stuff. The Kraken have, have some stuff to work on. There was definitely some good moments in this one. Getting Maddie back was great. Yanni coming back. His line was fantastic. We'll talk about that. Just the defensive zone issues that the Kraken had against the Blackhawks and you were able to survive because you're playing well the Blackhawks not able to survive it against the St. Louis Blues team and the Kraken are going to really have to figure that out hopefully before the all-star break but that all-star break is coming and that will provide a little bit of relief um all right so first things first gotta of course thank our lovely sponsor Flatstick Pub for sponsoring this post game as well as every other post game this season Really appreciate them working on the graphics. We're still finalizing that stuff up. But again, you can you can go check out their South Lake Union location now. If you went to the game, you could get a dollar off beer after this one if you show your ticket there. And then, yes, next month, February 13th, for that Islanders game, starts at 4.30. We will be having that watch party there with RJ. Really looking forward to that. And then also, just real quick, prospect chat over at Patreon this upcoming Monday at 7 p.m. We'll be going over everybody at the World Juniors as well as stuff after the CHL trades that went down uh it's gonna be a, a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it with everybody all right coming over into the comment section absurdly saying kicking us off very appropriate emoji very appropriate that is what this game feels like again you there are so many positives for the kraken coming into this one right you had snapped the four game skid with the win over the blackhawks last time you enter this one you've got momentum you get yanni gord coming back from the suspension you get maddie Beneers coming back from whatever was ailing him because they never confirmed what it was concussion um and you you have everything that you need right vince dunn come back last game he played well he's just going to get better coming back and, and they did, right? Through the first two periods, there was a couple moments where, you know, things were a little rough for them in the defensive zone, or especially killing penalties, especially on that second one that Robert Thomas goal, um, that PK unit just needed a little bit more effort just to clear the zone, just to try to find a way. Joey also didn't help them out with his goalie adventure in this one. But, you know, you had so many positives. That Gord line looks so good. Those two tic-tac-toe goals were just beautiful. Some of the prettiest goals we've seen the Kraken score in franchise history, really, right? Like, the, like I'm not even exaggerating. I've watched all these games. That Those are some of the prettiest goals they've ever scored. They look fantastic. And just you just weren't able to really lock it down when you needed to. The defensive zone struggles continued for the Kraken. And like I said at the beginning frustrating because this is a team that you really needed to get points on and instead you give them the extra point now positive silver lining in all that the kraken did pick up a point themselves so it's not as terrible but for a game that you led 3-1 at one point you want a little bit better than that as the finish seth with the super chat i kind of feel like the boys were out playing the majority of the game i think the blues coach coach told them to focus on defense after the third goal I agree with that. That does seem like what they did. They were like, okay, we got to shore some things up here. 
don't give them those free zone entries that they were that they were giving them right that's something the cracker were able to take advantage of was really killing st louis with speed i mean you look at at both of those the Bjorkstrand or the Tolvanen goal, these are plays that develop and start back in the defensive zone, and then we see them finish in the offensive zone. And St. Louis just wasn't able to keep up with it. St. Louis decided, okay, we're going to make sure our defensemen don't really pinch up anymore in the offensive zone. Going to have them play back, try to keep the game in front of them. It was a good adjustment from them. Kraken needed to kind of do something similar you know, themselves in the defensive zone, they needed to find a way to get to pucks, to win puck battles, to when they have a puck on their stick, make sure you have a plan to just get it up and out of the zone. You don't have to ice it. You don't have to totally clear it, but you also don't have to look for the breakout pass either. You got to make sure that it just gets up and out of the zone. Even if it barely gets out of the zone, you can give yourself that opportunity to reset. And the Kraken never really made that adjustment. They didn't really make that adjustment after last game either, right? Dave Haxtell, rightfully so, talked about they got away with a lot in that game against the Blackhawks. They, they weren't able to get away with those same things in this one. So I don't know what the plan needs to be for the Kraken, but these last two games, I don't know about all of you. I'm not seeing their whole kind of push up the ice from the defensive zone thing. I'm not seeing those outlet passes. I'm not seeing some of that stuff. We saw it a couple times right we on those goals but i'm not seeing that kind of consistent board work that they used to do where they could really use the boards to their advantage to get things up and out of there or the cross the, the, the diagonal outs either like that didn't really exist in this one so i something the kraken need to work on this is what i'll leave it at uh lindsey hello over, overtime lost my old friend you've come to remind me of the early season kraken again Love the poem. That is what these overtime losses are. They're not dance parties. They're not therapy sessions. They're slam poetry nights. Lindsay knows. Good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, we had been sitting on that nine OTLs for a long, long time. I finally tipped over into double digits. Zoe with the UG. Be name a bigger enemy to the Kraken than a two-goal lead. You can't. That's right. I can't. That's They are the pinnacle, unfortunately. Um, Nicole, I don't even want them in the playoffs if they play this way, lol. I, it would be rough to watch a playoff series where the Kraken played this way. But again, it's a, it's a very fixable thing. If the Kraken really just sit down and they they kind of remind themselves of, of what they were doing that was successful, go back and look at what you were doing on the win streak before the road trip, before the illnesses and the injuries really decimated the group, go back and look at what you were doing. You were doing a fantastic job of playing in your own zone. You're still doing a fantastic job of playing away from the puck. You're doing a great job in the offensive zone. The shaken up lines are fine. You know, keeping McCann at center on that first line is still fine. All of that stuff still works. You just got to find a way to make sure you're winning puck battles in your own zone and you're getting outlet passes up and out of the zone. That's all they got to focus on. And so that makes it a little easier in the sense that you can really just kind of hammer down, really try to nail that one aspect of it. And then you don't have to worry about really all three of these goals uh the regulation goals for the blues there light with a super chat try not to smash my desk hey at least shane had a cool goal today yeah shane wright continues to score three game goal streak for shane wright <laughs> just saying just saying good stuff from from shane wright down at coachella valley he's helping them out uh still wish we we had seen him when the kraken kind of needed that depth but now the kraken are getting healthy it wouldn't really make sense for them to call him up just to send him right back down for the all-star break. But yeah, is is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Stratic, this is bad. Yes, a point, but gave two to a team that you're in a chase with. Exactly. That's the unfortunate aspect about this. Jules, my brother calls this the 3-1 curse that a team can come back when only being two goals down. Look, it's been a long time hockey adage that the two-goal lead is the worst lead in hockey because it's just enough that the team with the lead kind of takes their foot off the gas, but it's not enough that you can get away with that, right? Two goals can be scored relatively quickly in hockey. And uh, yeah, the Kraken, Kraken got bit by it as many teams before them have been and as many teams will in the future, I'm sure. Uh, B, honestly disappointed with this game. Absolutely dominated through the first half of the second period and then the lead completely evaporates. They should have been able to get a regulation win here. I agree with you. Their play in the defensive zone was kind of unacceptable. The power, the, the PK unit in this one, especially on the second penalty kill, I know Joey doesn't do you a favor by, by essentially kind of creating a turnover there up the middle of the ice, but you had to be better. This was not the normal effort that we're used to seeing from the Kraken penalty killing unit. If you go back and you watch what leads up to that Robert Thomas goal, you're going to see a very passive PK unit. I know they had been out there for a little while, but that's again, because you're passive to begin with. You never want any puck battles. You weren't really forcing, you know, the blues to make an aggressive pass that maybe you could pick off send down the ice go get a change it's really super important especially in the second period because you've got that long change if you're out there on that pk unit you got to sell out early to make sure you get those stops you get the puck you get it out of the zone so that you can then go and get line changes because it is so hard to do when you are in the second period on the penalty kill and the kraken just didn't do that and, and that's the one thing that that's really sticking with me through all of this is that penalty kill and that kind of putting you in that spot where then a play later where they kind of get their own little bit going is able to tie the game rather than just pulling them within one. Schultz with the super chat. That one should have gotten away. PK hurts. Good, good sentiments there, Schultz. I can't help but agree because that's what I was just talking about. And then Riley with the super chat took our foot off the gas completely and sat on the two goal lead, out goalied twice now this season by Bennington, leading to losses. Schwartz missed. Oh, ben. Yes, that was that that Schwartz miss was a big deal. I, I won't blame him too much. It's it's a tough play to kind of corral that puck and try to get it moving forward and accurate and over the pads. That is a tough thing to do that quickly it happens you miss some of those opportunities the Bennington thing hurts because it's Bennington uh, as many of you know I'm not a big fan of Bennington and look he was giving you opportunities early too this is where we talked about it earlier the Blues made an adjustment after you know at that halfway point of that second period and they said okay Bennington stay in the crease don't go behind the crease it's not helping us uh, defense make sure you stay back a little bit more keep the play in front of you let's focus on this let's stop letting the kraken beat us with speed to their credit it was a good adjustment and the kraken failed to adjust to it and that's where you see the game kind of get away from them and then coop with the super chat i really don't understand how alexiak is so big but cannot block any passes by him to the back post He's six foot hundred inches, but he takes a knee and gets smaller somehow. It's a crazy strategy. Lay down on the ice. I've said this before. The Kraken do seem to just not ever really lay down on the ice, especially when defending two on ones. Kraken defensemen tend not to do that. That's not even just Alexiak. This is all of them. And it's a confusing thing that they do. Um, I, I think there is an art to going down to a knee. And it all comes down to your hand placement. 
with your stick. It's natural when you go down on a knee, especially if the play is kind of happening on your non-stick hand side, right? So I'm a lefty. I hold it in my right hand, and then if the play is over on my left. It's very natural when you get down on one knee to just kind of put your put your hand down parallel with your waist, right? But then you're losing a bunch of inches. You have to make sure that, you know, that's the natural thing that your body kind of wants to do, especially on ice. You want to put your hand down and kind of use it for balance, and you put that in line with the center balance part of your body, which is going to be then parallel to your waist. What you have to do, though, is you got to get it up in front of you, right? You got to count on the fact that, look, I'm down, let's say on my right knee, I've got my left skate then forward. That's blocking stuff in tight because it's on the ground. And then my knee is obviously doing the stuff underneath me. So I can I can keep my stick out more in front of me. And especially that's where Jamie Alexiak having that long reach would really come in. If you kind of get a little bit I don't want to say lazy, but complacent with it. And you just kind of stick your stick down parallel to your hip. You're leaving a good eight to 10 inches on the board, right? That, that you could be using out a little bit further. And I, I think that, that sometimes that gets everybody, but I think that that's what you're, you're noticing there. Coop. Uh, thank you all for the super chats there, by the way. Christian sucks losing games when you have such good plays like the Yorkie steal that leads to a tic-tac-toe goal on top of it being against a wild card opponent does suck Christian that goal was so fantastic though Oliver Bjorkstrand I know RJ tweeted it uh, on the ECH Twitter account potentially the best game of his all-star season right like he was named first star for this one I think that that's appropriate um, I mean maybe you know if you, if you wanted to be honest Buchnevich gets the overtime winner he's got two goals in this one maybe he could be first star but Oliver Bjorkstrand gets first star he definitely deserved to be in the conversation for it he had a fantastic game in this one continues to pile up points for the Kraken something that a lot of guys on this team struggle to do and a lot of it comes down to the play of Yanning Gord we saw Oliver Bjorkstrand in those two games that Yanni Gord was out really stepping up defensively. I know you're talking about him making a defensive play here and he did and he looked good, but I think that that did kind of hamstring a little bit as far as being able to participate in these transition plays where the Kraken are using their speed, particularly that line. And I think because he had to kind of take on that defensive responsibility with Yanni Gord out, Yanni Gord comes back. Now he doesn't have to worry about that as much. Him and Tolvanen can just kind of go out there and race guys. And we're seeing that, you know, in this one, they were able to put together some really skilled plays doing that. And I, I love to see it. I love to see it. That was that was really good stuff. Uh, Sean, and yeah, winning some faceoffs that would have made quite a difference. I mean, they were 46%. That's actually, it's not terrible for the Kraken. That's kind of in line with what it seems like they kind of do all the time so i i won't get too on them for that but yeah in general the kraken have just <laughs> traditionally always struggled with that haven't they um let's see uh lindsey why'd they have to do that to poor cal right <laughs> he deserved better i know big dumper deserved better go go into that game uh uh, big Ron, the defense has to get better in front of Joey. That was pathetic. Agreed. The defense, and this this extends out just past the defenseman, but to the forwards as well. Defense has been an issue these last two games. Like I said, they're just doing a really bad job of really what they're doing is they're puck watching. And I could, I could tell you on almost all of these goals how the puck watching got them in trouble. Right. I think in the, the Robert Thomas one is the exception because that's the one where they just needed to get a clear and they weren't able to get a clear. We talked about that one already. But if you watch the first one, the Sunquist goal, 
Brian Dublin goes out. He tries to pressure him hard as as Sun as um, uh, Braden Chen is coming down, right, entering the zone with the puck. Dumoulin goes up, steps up on the PK. He's there because Larson's in the box. He goes up there. He's really trying to pressure him along the boards. He's using his stick. It's good stuff. Shen is able to power through it, get around him. The entire time, if you go back and you watch, Jamie Alexiak is playing in the center where he's kind of supposed to, but his eyes are glued to the puck. He never once turns his head to check where Sunquist is. And that's and then he's, Sunquist was able to get by him. Right. He wasn't in the passing lane. He wasn't set where he needed to be because he never kept his head on a swivel. He never peeked over to make sure where the other guy was. You got to trust your D partner there. You got to know I'm vaguely in the right spot, but let me make sure I'm backing up enough because that's what he didn't do. He didn't back up enough. Sunquist was able to get behind him. The pass was able to go right by him. He wasn't able to make the play that you need to make. And so that one was just like that's that's basic stuff, right? It's just a mistake. You know, he had he had a brain freeze moment and that's just the way it is. But it's it's unfortunate because those are so preventable if you're kind of on it. Right. And those those are those can be tough. Those can be really tough. Um, let's see. What was Winnie doing at the end there from the base six? Uh, you mean in the defensive zone and regulation or yeah, it would have been regulation. I don't know. <laughs> he, was, he was out there. <laughs> that's what he was doing. I couldn't tell you. Um, the Borgen penalty at three on one really killed all the momentum they had from JMG. It did. That was a tough one, especially on a night where the PK was rough in the first period, right? I just talked about the Sunquist goal. Maybe you're thinking, look, Larson was in the box. You don't have your total, both penalty killers out there, top PK defensemen, maybe, I don't know. But then yeah, the, the PK unit was so bad for that second one that you, you knew you couldn't take a penalty from there. And uh, the Kraken, I guess, in that sense, did a good job not not taking another penalty in this one. Uh, Light, I don't normally like to rag on guys, but Tanev had a terrible game tonight. He drug that fourth line down hard. Uh, Light with the super chat there. I, it was a rough night for Tanev. Again, you could point to him on the PK unit. I don't know. I, I think the fourth line... I, I don't, this isn't a fourth line that's going to stick together, right? The idea of Maddie being between Cartier and Tanev. I think the thinking there was let's ease Maddie back into the lineup. Don't put too much pressure on him. Jared McCann has been gelling with Tatar and Eberly. You don't need to shake that up right away. Let Maddie work off any rust that he has, which he did have in the first period. And then you can move forward from there. And I think the other bit of thinking was look, Who's going to mess with Matty Beniers if he's playing between Ty Cartier and Brandon Tanev, right? These are the two guys on the team best suited to protect Matty Beniers and make sure that nobody takes a run at him because that's been a concern with Matty Beniers is that teams are kind of starting to do that, right? They're, they're trying to manhandle him a little bit. Those are the two guys that are going to keep that from happening. And so I think there was a bit of that line that was them thinking that way if you're Cartier and Brandon Tan if you were looking out for stuff like that a little bit more than say you were trying to generate offensive chances it it's a they were trying to do the fourth line role of just look we're going to keep the other team from doing anything while they're out here and look they were successful in that that line low event hockey when that line was out there on the ice that's generally what you want a fourth line doing that is the traditional role of fourth line plays for you I'm not going to get too much, too hard on him for that. I, I think that there was other things going on there, and I think it was more so just to get Maddie back in the game 
and in a situation where he could maybe try to take advantage of some bad matchups, which he had opportunities to do. But again, the rust kind of got the better of him on that. And he wasn't totally able to take advantage of it the way that if he had been playing this whole time, he would have kind of feasted. Right. There was those opportunities in the first period. He kind of whiffed on one. He was struggling to keep the puck on his stick. Maybe he's picking up his head a little bit too early before he was trying to do something, not watching the, the puck all the way through the play. There's stuff like that. And so um, I, I think that that fourth line had a lot of potential. I think really what held it back was just the fact that Maddie was a little bit rusty. Um, Lindsay tainting that beautiful Tolvin in goal with a loss really sucks. That was such an incredible moment from that whole line. It really was. It was fantastic. It was fantastic from them. Um, let's see. I, well, I kind of addressed the fourth line there uh, for Sean's comment. Riley Alexiak was suspect all night. Can't make a pass. Icing everything. Bad turnovers and not playing with size and losing battles in the D zone. Uh, we talked about him a little bit already, uh, and yeah, that's that was definitely part of it. I know these games are going to happen. It shouldn't be in a team we are trying to pass for that wild card spot, though. From Jake, agreed. You, there, there are times where you can have a game get away from you. It, you can't do it against the teams you're directly in battle with for a wild card spot. That's not good stuff. Uh, Blazekin Gaming, I feel like we turtle up too tight in our defensive zone, and it hurts us. Guys get tangled up, and it's too easy to sneak someone behind for a backdoor shot. The turtling was definitely something that we did earlier in the season. That's what led to a lot of our, you know, OTLs. I don't know that they really did it in this one just because they weren't good defensively. At least before when they were doing it, they were positive defensively. They were just giving up, you know, immense amounts of, of shots and opportunities to other teams. In this one, they just weren't weren't good, right? I mean, what did, what did St. Louis finish with? St. Louis finished with 18 shots on goal. And that's counting overtime. They like if like I I understand the sense of it and uh, where you're going with that. But if that and I agree that to an extent they tried to turtle up. They just did such a bad job. It was just oh it was it was rough. It was really bad. Allen Blue lead played scared in overtime. Played scared in the back half of the third period. Lost this game the same way the Blues scored in their first power play goal. Like can defense learn? They should. And again, you had the same exact issues last game. RJ and I talked about it. Dave Axtell talked about it. All of these issues were present on Wednesday. And you weren't able to work on them in the couple days between. You weren't able to work on them in practice yesterday. It was an optional morning skate this morning. You weren't able to address them and really fix them for tonight's game. That's the biggest concern, right? Because you got away with it last game. It's Chicago. They're not very good. They're missing like a hundred forwards. We knew that, right? We gave them the pass kind of. I truly didn't think they were going to come out and play the same way defensively that they did tonight. I thought they were going to have addressed some of it and they, they just didn't is the bottom line. Uh, on a positive note, we didn't mess up as bad as the LA Kings did. 3-1 in the first period, only to lose it 3-5 in the end from Jules there. Yes, on the positive note, we are not the LA Kings who are just in free fall with zero ability to stop it. Everybody's starting to point the finger at each other. It's becoming a real mess in LA. That is definitely something that, uh, you know, we could we could at least hang our hat on is the fact that we are not in that situation. As Jake's saying, to be fair, we still look better than the Kings. Uh, very, very true. Very, very true. 
Um, Byron, close but not quite against a team they're chasing, feels very representative of this season and probably of their ultimate fate. I know where you're coming from, and I I have to agree. Like that has been their struggle this year, is they've dropped the games that they've really, really needed uh when they've needed them. And that's not something that you you don't want to make that a habit. And unfortunately, it's becoming a habit for this group. Coop, I thought Joey was fine in net, to be honest. It's just his casualness outside of the net that kills me. I agree with you. It most of these goals are not on him. Um, they're tough plays, like nobody's stopping, you know, the Robert Thomas goal, nobody's stopping the overtime Buchnevich goal. You know, you're not dealing with that stuff. Sunquist getting behind Alexiak on the first goal. You're putting your goaltender in a spot where he's got to make just some otherworldly save. And Joey wasn't able to do that enough tonight. Um, so I'm with you. I, I but that turnover that helped lead to the Robert Thomas goal, that was one where Joey. I mean, he tried to skate it to the middle and then send it up the middle, just throw it around the boards. Like Edzo was saying on the broadcast, if you listen to the root broadcast, you just got to throw that one along the boards. Um, let's see here. Hockey Fork. I really hope Ron looks honestly at the situation come trade deadline. We have a good amount of movable assets. We need stars in D and scoring before we make a run. I don't know how much, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be available to them come trade deadline time. And to be honest, Given the way that, that you know they're still accumulating points, even even with a, a OTL loss tonight, right? They they still pick up a point. I I don't think they're going to be a seller either. I think we're looking more and more increasingly likely like this is just going to be a trade deadline where they're going to stand pat and they're just going to kind of go with the group that they have and we'll just see how it works out because I just don't know. I don't know how else they're going to get there. Um, Northwoods, Nick, I wonder what the record for most pity points in a season because we got to be getting close. Yeah, we got to be getting a little close here. I, I, I not, I not totally. Didn't we look it up? Wasn't it like 17 or something? Am I just making that up out of nowhere? Um, I think we had looked it up. 10, 10 is a lot considering you're just, you know, you're barely over halfway through the season, but uh, it is not quite too close to the record. I like this from Nicole though. Grew closing out the month, perhaps a Riker slot in too. I wouldn't mind those two things. I got to think if Gru is truly healthy and all of that stuff and and you brought him back and and he's ready to go after this game seems like the perfect time to make that change and, and go with Grubauer and net. This was the first game where you can kind of say Joey, you know, wasn't able to get it done for you. And even though that's not really true, we know that I just talked about those are goals that no goal he's going to really be able to stop because the defense on the team in front of him was bad. But you can you can say, look, giving up four goals on 18 shots isn't a good look. We're going to go with somebody else for the next one, right? Um, Joey has been playing a lot of hockey. I think that that's a very reasonable thing to consider. And then, I mean, I'm always in favor of Riker being in the lineup. But let's go ahead and let's let's ask RJ. RJ, do you think we see Grubauer and maybe even Riker Evans for the next one after this? Uh, Grubauer, I would say almost definitely. I, I thought before this game that he was going to get that Columbus start. It seemed like the perfect get right type of game for him. Easy opponent at home. Uh, I think it's better than the road date against San Jose. So I think we see him next game anyway. This game probably only added to that. Uh, and then uh, Riker Evans, possibly. I, I didn't think Justin Schultz had the worst game in this yeah. one, but uh, I, I think you've got to change something. Something has to change and something has to change defensively, RJ, because, you know, we talked about the issues last game against the Blackhawks. You were able to get by and survive that. 
not able to survive it tonight. I mean, the defensive effort from this one, from really everybody, and this includes the PK unit, really, really poor. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's a reason the Blues were able to generate four goals in this game. And um, interesting uh, analysis from Hackstall on that first goal, of course, with the PK unit there. Um, talking about, you know, it actually, he didn't point to a missed assignment or anything on that backdoor play. He said that actually starts with the gaps in the neutral zone. He said they beat us with speed, and that's all on the gap in the neutral zone. By the time it gets down there, you know, th there's other, you know, things that you can point at, but really it starts with the kind of pressure we put at them, you know, even in their own zone. Yeah, those other things being Jamie Alexiak keeping his head on a swivel. Uh, yeah. Until I talked about that one already. Yeah, I mean, he and Borgen <laughs> did not have the best game. I, I thought that really the turning point in this one was the Will Borgen penalty in the second period, just unnecessary penalty. Blues had nothing going at that point. They score on the power play. All of a sudden they have life and they got the most out of it. Uh, and Haxtell did point to that as a turning point in this game. And he's, you know, clearly it was, you know, and at that point the Kraken just had everything going for them. Yes, they did. Uh, Riley, with two games going into, this is a super chat, by the way, with two games going into the All-Star break, then anything can happen. Teams that are hot now can get cold and vice versa. Lots of hockey left to be played. There is a lot of hockey left to be played, RJ. It's just, and we've everybody's been talking about it. It stings when you, one, let a game get away, and two, let a uh, game get away to a team that you're right in the thick of it with for the wild card. Right. And I know the Kraken know in their mind they're that close to the St. Louis Blues in the standings. That's something Haxtell alluded to yesterday. You know, you are aware of that and you've got to use it, kind of feed off of it, playing a game against a team that you're chasing. And that was certainly the mood in the locker room after this one, the feeling from everybody that this was a game that got away. And, and let me say, too, like nobody takes a loss harder than Jared McCann. The entire locker room had just cleared out after the game. And there was Jared McCann still in his stall, in his gear, head down, just trying to process this one. I mean, that's a guy who cares a hell of a lot. Um, and I, I really respect it. And it was just, that was the first thing I saw when I walked into the locker room and I was just like, man, you know, he feels this one. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's often the case with him, right? Like yeah. this, he is, he is that kind of guy. Uh, Nicole, I also really hope Dunn isn't seriously hurt. Yeah. There was that moment where he kind of stayed down a little bit there, RJ. I don't know. He, he finished out the game. So I got to imagine it's nothing too bad, but given we don't really know what he had tweaked that kept him out for a while, I can understand the concern. Right. And, and that was the cause of my worry. I'm still a little bit worried about that. So he took a hard hit along the boards from Kessel, uh, late in the game and he gutted out the rest of the shift but i was following him the whole way along that shift he was far from 100 percent. he was clearly in pain as i posted the video on twitter you know he was hunched over getting to the bench and he was just you know head down he didn't start overtime which i, I think sometimes he, he would he took one shift in overtime had a good little shifty move at the blue line looked all right but then went off after a pretty short shift so you know, I, I don't know that he's at 100% right now. That might have even just been adrenaline letting him finish the game. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. keep an eye on where he's at tomorrow and going forward. Yep. Sam, here's a question. If Evan stays up with the Kraken during the AHL All-Star game, who's the Firebirds representative? Has to be Shane, right? And Light and Jake saying, you know, think that they'll send him down because it takes place over the same time as the NHL All-Star break. So they'll probably just send down right. I think they'll do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Uh, hey, Megan, how's it going? Lights. Um, let's see. I don't think the team is walking away from this saying at least we got a point. No, they're, they're definitely, definitely not. Isn't. 
yeah, McCann definitely isn't. And, and the players that we actually talked to weren't, weren't feeling that way either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Uh, Lindsay with the RIP, you know, Joey save percentage, Alan, Joey walks out of this one with a seven, seven, eight save percentage defense hurt here, but you'd like to maybe see a save on that third goal. I don't know. I think just about all these goals are are the team in front of them. Yeah, I think so too. Although I will say on the third one, that that's one where if your goalie is just playing at a top level, you would like yeah. to see a save, but that's the only one you can even make that argument for. Yeah. All these other ones where there's two just backdoor plays where there's no defense there and it's a one-timer. And the other one's a perfect tip from the slot. I mean, no goalie can do anything about no. that except just be in position kind of and hope it hits you. So yeah. um, not a huge problem with Joey's game tonight, but yeah, numbers wise, it looks much worse than it was. Yeah, and it's one of those two where you got to wonder at some point does the game's played catch up to him, right? We've talked yeah. about this. He has played every game for over a month, basically, with the exception of two, right? There's only been yeah. two games he hasn't played in a long time. Well, right. Well, what concerned me more than anything with Joey tonight is just that he was having more mishaps than usual playing the puck. And yeah, that's something you don't usually see from him. You know, you got that turnover early on that, that generated a good chance for St. Louis. And then on that power play, the Kraken couldn't yep. get a clear. And that was Joey kind of trying to take his time, make a play and get the clear himself. Didn't work out. Ends up in the back of their net. Just me. Edzo let him have it on the broadcast tonight for that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. I mean, yes. Haxall, he didn't mention Joey by name, but he was talking about that PK. And he said, look, we didn't get a clear. Like, that's the big point is we didn't get a clear yeah. there when we had a chance to. Yeah, and especially I was talking about it like, right, that's a second period penalty killing situation. You have to be super aggressive on it to try to get the puck, get it clear, because you've got the long change, right? And this is kind of what happened to him. If you don't ever get that clear, you're just stuck out there. There's no ability to kind of slide, get somebody on and off and try to make something happen. You're just going to get tired and allow the other team to move the puck pretty freely. And that's ultimately what ended up happening there. Brooke, fourth line looking rough tonight. Not a good match with Tanev and Beneers. We've talked about this a little bit, RJ. I'm willing to give it a little bit of a pass because it's Beneers coming back. And I think that Tanev and Cartier are there to protect Beneers from somebody taking a run at him. Yeah, and they were able to do that. Nobody took a run at Maddie, and you are kind of easing him back in the lineup. But I, I do think, you know, that comment is correct. The chemistry, though, just isn't there with oh, those yeah. three. And, and and you understand why they did what they did, but the chemistry certainly wasn't there. Yes, and I do wonder if Maddie didn't have rust, though, that like, you know, clearly from coming back. There were yeah. some good opportunities for him with some mismatches that he was very close to taking advantage of, and he just wasn't quite able to. So I, I kind of am in, in a little bit favor of maybe Maddie staying lower in the lineup for a little while, RJ. Just let him take advantage of some of those matchups if you can and keep McCann up on the first line. I don't know if you have a thought on that. I'd be okay with that for another game or two until he can ease himself back in. But one thing I would think to do then is put Yamamoto on that fourth line instead of Ty Karche. Yeah. I just think he's going to be a better fit playing with Maddie. Yeah. Uh, you mean Karche or Tanev? Well, actually, I will no- knowing that they're not going to bench Tanev, I just, you know, look, I, there are a few Neither times where I would do that, everything. but knowing yeah. the team's not going to do that, I would do instead of Karche. Yeah. Uh, Light with a super chat. Just a reminder for everyone, AHL TV is free tomorrow and the Firebirds play. Oh, good reminder there. Light, thank you for the super chat for that and for letting everybody know. Yeah, I mean, Shane Wright going to be going for goals in four straight, RJ. Yep, he is on a heater right now. And I uh, I tweeted the video out of his celebration. Look how happy he is. He's just so happy down there in Coachella Valley, tearing up the AHL. This is really good for him. 
yeah lots of people not liking the maddie tanev uh combination here anthony agreeing that it's not really on uh joey tonight but you can you know get grubauer in there on sunday um stuff there nicole tanev should have stayed with wenberg feel like veneers would have played better with berkey anyway i think there is something to that that being said might have been my favorite game from andre burakovsky all year to be perfectly honest yeah it was i mean he was playing pretty well i mean you know, I asked him the other day. I asked him at practice. Do you? Yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say no. You can you can finish finish the thought with him, and then I'll go. Well, I asked him after at practice. Do you feel like you're ready for more ice time? And he said, "Yeah, I've been ready this whole time. You know, if if Axel wants to call my number, I'm I'm happy with that." And, and he did. He got about a minute more ice time than he had been getting the last couple games. Made the most of it, and really that vision was on display from him, yeah. like around the perimeter. Yeah, here's the here's then what you could do, right? Like we we all know the chemistry's not there between Tanev and Maddie. We talked about that. The chemistry that I really like from Burakovsky, it's not with Wenberg, it's with Schwartz. I love the two of them together. They seem to have an understanding because Schwartz likes to play net front and Berkey likes to try to make backdoor passes, right? That works. The two of them work well together. They were able to find each other when cycling and coming off of the forecheck very easily. Maybe just swap Maddie up there with Wenberg, right? Yeah. We know Wenberg and Tanev can play well together. You don't have to do the ice time swap entirely, right? You can let Wenberg have the more ice time, but I would consider maybe making that change. Yeah, that, that could work, actually. And I, Burakovsky, too, when we were talking with him, like he pointed out Jaden Schwartz as someone who he does feel like he has that chemistry mm -hmm. with. He even gave a bit of a smile talking about, you know, how Schwartz, he always goes to the net and you can always, you know, just throw a puck there at the net and he's going to find it and he's going to get it. Um, so I think you're right about that. And I don't, have we seen that line combo before? No, we haven't. Right. Cause like we, it's very rare for them to move Maddie away from, from ebbs and then right. one of like McCann or Cartier. But I think that that could be something because then you're also giving Maddie somebody that he can pass with in Berkey and you're giving Maddie a net front presence in Jaden Schwartz, who he's never really had on his wing his entire time in the NHL from this team. Yeah. I, I can't think of a time really that he's had. Yeah. He's had someone like that. All right. So there we go, everybody. We figured it out. We, we, we all came together, <laughs> threw out different ideas. I think that's the way to go, personally. Um, uh, some more talk about the, uh, uh, the the Kings just being in free fall. I've, I've always noticed that. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, Coop asking, is it possible that Joey could just be a volume goaltender? He was fine tonight, but it's got to be hard to make saves when you only see a handful of pucks with long droughts in between. I mean, I guess he's not the only goalie you could kind of say that about just generally. I mean, you want to see lots of pucks. You want to stay fresh. And he wasn't really able to do that in this one just because how few shots got to the net. And they yeah. were high quality ones, too. Yeah. And, like, and if you look at the say, shooting chart, too, on Money Puck, like there's a few big dots right in front of the net for the Blues massive. and not much else. And the Kraken have a bunch of medium sized dots mm -hmm. kind of around the front of the net. Yep. And Coop saying that might just be all goalies, though, not just Joey. And then I kind of like this from Jake. These are the type of games that we make our goalies look bad. We don't give up a ton of shots, but when we do, it's grade A chances. This is, this was the team that plays in front of Grubauer is what this yeah. was right like that this was it's a, been a while since game. we've seen it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's been a while since we've seen that and i mean it makes me slightly worried for the next one maybe being an actual group hour game um but hopefully they uh, don't have it be two games in a row 
Yeah. Um, let's see, Chip. Yeah, if we don't give Gru a chance, then what are we even doing with him? Need to give both of them games to stay fresh. Agreed with that. Um, I agree with Riley. The ten full days off for the All-Star break could look wonders for a lot of guys. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'll help a lot here. Um, let's see. If Dunn is shaken up enough from that hit near the end to need to miss the next game, they could bring back the Riker-Lars pairing. That's the only way I could see Riker getting into a game in the near future, though. That's from B. Probably on the money there yeah and you know what i mean if dunn has to miss the games i'd i'd rather they be cautious with him and not have him re-injure himself that Riker lars pair was good and, and that factors in lars not feeling well for most of the time that pair was together it'd be mm. interesting to see Riker in a healthy larson yeah yeah uh yes that would be nice to see um let's see uh uh, well, here's one from Jules. Quick unrelated hockey question. Does Climate Pledge have free ice cream for staff, or is that a crypto arena thing? I don't know if there's free ice cream for staff. I don't there's know. I've never seen in, the, in the, the meal room. Does it work? Yeah, in the media meal room, there is an ice cream machine. Anyone use it? It does work. It does okay. work most of the time. As with any ice cream machine, there are times when it's out of order, but uh, it does work most of the time. <laughs> You're running a McDonald's. Yep. Um, let's see uh so what's going on here um hack is shown gives the net to who's good from light agree with that uh nicole hacksaw better be listening to these lines I, I hope so um games like this make me think that the goalie save percentage is the most overrated stat from seth i think plus minus would still be the most overrated but this is why you know there are some people in the analytics community that really don't like looking at save percentage all the time yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think to just weight every shot equally, you know, when you're yeah. coming up with the stat to evaluate goalies. Not all shots are created equal. And, um, you know, you have better stats like goal save above expected that take that into account. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, feel free to put stuff in. If I skip something earlier, everybody, you can throw it back down in there and I'll, I'll get to it now. Um Christian Islanders are winning the OTL race right now with 11. Gary reminded everybody get Calgary had 17 last year. So that's where I had the 17 number from earlier. Um, is yeah. this number 10 uh, for the Kraken? This is 10 for the Kraken. Yes. Via Ren. Can they do OT practice again? It worked so well last year. I mean, they could, it, it's something they could work on. You know, there's probably limited practice time before the all-star break, but you know, might as well. Yeah, uh, I John, feel like they've got other things though too. To work yes, on. yes, like this defensive zone play. Uh, John, yeah. we needed six points out of these last four games. This was the hardest on paper, and we got a point. Painful, but we can live with this result. I, I get that, right? Like it is true. You do get a point. You continue to move in the right direction. It just hurts because you had the three-one lead, and it's to a team that you're, you know, really fighting with. Right. I mean, the Blues are the only team out of these four that are not awful. And so you knew it was probably going to be the toughest game matchup wise. If yes. you take care of business against the last two and you're looking back at seven out of eight points going to the all-star break, that's perfectly acceptable. You can deal with that. But you're right. It is in the moment tonight, knowing you had it. Um, you know, that's just one you got to lock down. Right. No, and that's that's what this is too, to to an extent, right? Like that's why we're here doing this right after the game with the emotion <laughs> yep. is there. Um like Canner is gonna single-handedly fix his season point projection before the all-star game. I swear he's been on fire. He's been insane lately, and good for him. And I'm really digging him at center too, man. I he looks yeah. good there. 
I mean, that's why I think it was last season or, or maybe the end of year one, but I was really pushing for him to be a center full time because I just love what he can bring, uh, you know, defensively and still provide offensively in the way that we, you know, we know that he can. And man, nobody works harder. Like I, I posted that video clip. Well, you, you probably talked about when we was taken down by Tory Krug in front of the net. A lot of people wanted a penalty there. If the refs didn't like swallow their whistles, it, it might have been called different time of the game, whatever. He goes down, then whacks at the puck to get it back into the slot. And then the camera, of course, cuts away from the broadcast. But what everyone else didn't see, and I was still watching him, he pops right back up and just skates as hard as he possibly can at the end of a shift, mind you, to back check and try and get back into the play. He had very little chance of catching anybody, but he was just going to give 110% the whole time. Right. Well, and he's really good about this. Like season one, I thought he was probably their best defensive forward. Right. Like he was I'm the with guy, the guy doing that. He would come back the furthest in the defensive zone, even though even when he was playing on the wing, he was coming back and basically doing what a center would do in the defensive zone to try to help things net front for a team that struggled with that. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I'm there for that um, from light. Also, a good note about the Shane Golden Knight was that he was happy for Winterton, who basically gave him that shot. Winterton and him are going to be scary together in the NHL. Oh, I can't wait, RJ. That's going to be so much fun to watch those two for a long, long time in cracking sweaters. B, hey, Joey's safe percentage is still 920 on the season, even after tonight. Still very good, even if the stat is flawed. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And you, still, you build up enough of a sample size and it can't hurt you as much. Yes, that game. is true. And again, you're talking about 920. That is so hot. That's way higher than we thought a cracking goaltender was going to be able to achieve this year. Right? Like, yeah, I mean, look at our over-unders conversation from the start of the year. You put it at 905. I thought that was crazy high. Yes. Uh, Robert, is it just me or is Wenberg not very good on face-off? So Wenberg was 28.5% tonight, which is definitely not good. I'm looking for his season total this year. 45.9. He was 45.6 last year. He, we, I don't know if we talked about this entirely with him with the off, over the offseason, but when we were talking about face-offs last year, I mean, he was one of the names brought up, right, that he – he does struggle there. And unlike a Matty Beniers, where he's a young player still learning everything and has the opportunity to get better, you do have to kind of go, well, this is just kind of who Alex Wenberg is at this point. Right. It's not a strength of his game, but in the aggregate, faceoffs don't matter a whole lot as long as you have somebody clutch you can take them when you need to. Um, right. But yeah, that's just never been a strength of his. Yeah. Uh, so no, you're, it's not just you, Robert. Uh, Viren, 18 is the single season OTL record. We could do that, RJ. We could do it. Let's not. <laughs> what if it only replaces all of the regular season losses we're going to have and the Kraken still win like 25 games? They go 25, 0, and 9. I take that. Uh, that works. That works. <laughs> Just got to speak it into existence, RJ. Um, I'm happy Gru wasn't in net for tonight because you just know if he had the same stats, he'd be tried in the court of public opinion for a capital offense. You're not wrong, like <laughs> Totally. If you look at just the shots on goal count from this game and Grubauer was in net, can you imagine, Dylan? No. And Especially after Joey stole the last one against Chicago. Yeah, everybody's everybody's agreeing with it, too. Like, that is a thousand percent what would happen, Light. You are very, very correct. And let's remember this going into the next game where we assume Groovy's going to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just I keep think, that in mind. I think the community here is mostly on board with That's that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Everyone we're talking to is okay yes. with this, but 
<laughs> Others yes. online, maybe not so much. Agreed, agreed. Sam, other prospect news overseas. Coco got a shutout. Newman with a multi-point game. Also, my personal choice for most underrated prospect we have, Oscar Fisker Molgard. I'm not doing my job, RJ, if Oscar Fisker Molgard can still be considered, um, you know, underrated. I know. You got to mention him a little bit more in this prospect chat coming up, which I'm really looking forward to. You gave me a tiny preview of it after we finished recording Red Glare this morning. And let me tell you, everyone, you got a good one coming. It's a, yes, it's going to be good. I, the Yanni Newman commentary is fantastic. <laughs> the, yes, the Newman and, and comparing him to somebody else at the Kraken system is going to be very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, Stratic, the better time to practice overtime may have been 10 OTLs ago, but better late than never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Though. Well, they've already lost all these. It's probably not worth you know, practicing. So let the sunk cost fallacy determine your decisions here. <laughs> exactly. That's, I, you know, I'm always in favor of that. Um, like Maddie was actually good on the dot 60% and Ty won all of them when he had to take them and be saying, I have absolutely no stats to back this up. So I could be totally wrong, but I feel like Cartier is sneaky good at face off. So I'm going to check. Uh, it won't include tonight's numbers, but I want to check to see how um, Cartier is on face offs. 46.5% going into this game. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not terrible. For, I mean, for a winger, you, just, you know, that's that's Winbergian numbers. Right. Yeah, and he was 100% tonight, although I don't know how many that ended up being, but mm-hmm. pump up that number because it was a small sample size for that other number. So How did Yamamoto do last game playing center and taking face-offs? I don't know if you can look that up quickly because it really struck me talking to him at practice how much he loved playing center. Like yeah. I wasn't expecting him to talk, just say just how much he loved doing it. So now I'm kind of rooting for him to play center at some point again, because he just yeah. lit up. He was so happy. No, he was very happy, and you you talked with me about that earlier, and you could just tell um, watching watching everything from him after that game. Let's see, last game he was fifty percent on the dot. Not bad. As, uh, better than you know a lot of guys on this team have been historically uh let's see otls will define the season when you miss the playoffs by four points from gary but, but also without them you wouldn't be within four points yeah i mean you know if the if the point system was different you'd be a lot lower uh it's one of those things where it, it yeah they're gonna make the difference ways. one way or the other yeah. yeah if you sneak in by a point or two it'll be because of them as well. So it's, you, you know, you, you take them when you, when you have, because it's better than a loss, but on nights like tonight, it, it hurts when you played so well at the beginning. Um, let's see, Zoe, going back to that LA Kings game, Dunn has been super disciplined, one penalty in like 12 games, but seems like other people are taking them instead. I think the overall, the Kraken are a fairly disciplined team. I don't, let me pull up the overall numbers for the league RJ, but I feel like for the most part, they're, they're mostly pretty good. I think the problem, the the person with a problem lately has been Lars. Yeah. I mean, he has been taking more than done. It feels like, and yeah, I I think Dunn kind of learned his lesson after things really went off the rails for a couple games in a row. And he's been better since, Um, but you know, that's an improvement you want to take, but yeah, other guys, I mean, you look at Yanni, you know, three games ago, um, you know, there's something like that where guys lose their temper, but it's been nobody. I think it hasn't been the same person consistently. Yes. Only two teams in the NHL have taken fewer penalties than the Seattle Kraken. And that is the Toronto Maple Leafs and the St. Louis Blues. Interesting. How have the Blues been that low in penalties? I mean, given the way they 
played? Play? I don't know. They had Greg Berube for half of this year as their head coach. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, but it just showed the Kraken are an incredibly disciplined team, uh, and that is that is good news for them. So yeah. they do a good job there. Uh, and the thing with the Lars penalties too is it hurts you doubly since you know not only is he taking a penalty like your best penalty killer too, defenseman and then he's lost for that and you know maybe that made a difference on that first one tonight i don't you know i, I yeah. could make that argument um via ren the face-off numbers have really taken a dive since belmar went down earlier in the season everybody was better relative to last year now it's just maddie mm. yeah well, i mean it makes sense you lose your best face-off taker yeah i mean look and look he's at least getting better that is positive news you know he's going to be around long term we know you know the idea of Wenberg hanging around past this season nobody's really thinking that that's going to happen stuff like that so I guess if anybody is going to be better and stay better the fact that it's Maddie is a good sign yeah Um, and Shane was looking good too yeah uh jake how's shally been doing since he was traded via ren coming in shally scored two goals in four games with kitchener got another one today shally's looked good uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more but i will say this about <laughs> him with kitchener i don't know what happened to kitchener they kind of fell apart like even rykoff like everybody Mesar, everybody has just fallen apart there um because of the trade it doesn't really make sense he looks really good it's it, it's going to take some time, it looks like, for him to develop chemistry and figure out which line they're going to keep him on. But he looks pretty good. And he's, I mean, he's running into the same problem that he had in Barry, although it's not as egregious as it was before RJ, which was just he thinks the game a certain way. I would consider it a high level style that he's thinking the game. Mm-hmm. And not everybody does. <laughs> it could be a it's problem when way you're of a, saying it yeah yeah and it could be a problem when you're on the wing and you have to depend on other positions then right like that's you know it could run yeah. into some issues and i think that's still his biggest problem and that was his biggest problem with world juniors as well if we're being honest um uh, some more t- talk of tie on the face-offs there yeah um let's see zoe maybe it just feels like they take penalties at the wrong time that i think is just one of those things where it's um what's it what's it called confirmation bias right mm-hmm. like where it just kind of it, it always feels like the worst time because that's yeah. the time that you're noticing it happen yeah and especially after a game like tonight where again the borgen one that was a total turning point in the game that was a very poorly timed penalty i said it at the yeah, time before the st louis even scored the goal you know but it was the case tonight i don't think so in general yeah and and be agreeing with that I, yeah it, and it's certainly possible but i gotta you know Got to applaud them where it's due, which is the fact that they're just finding ways of not taking them in general, which is certainly good. And by Ren, that second London game was such a mess, and now a bunch of guys are injured. Yeah, I I, I tried watching two games, RJ, to get chalet tape from him and Kitchener, and it's like a waste of seven hours. <laughs> That's nothing in yep. those two games that I watched. <laughs> oh, it was frustrated. Uh, hey, on the upside, we can take out our frustration on the Jackets on Sunday. Yeah, that is true. It's like, yeah. this is going to be a good bounce back game. We know what we were able to do against the blue jackets last time. Just want to make sure one, everybody leaves healthy. Let's try to do that yeah. this time. <laughs> and, and, and two, yeah, just be better in your own zone. I feel like if the Kraken did that, they have all the other pieces there right now, RJ. Yeah. You just have to clean some of those things up right in the D zone. And I mean, they're capable of doing it. Like we we've seen them kind of find themselves, find their game at many points this season. They can do it. I get just about getting to this finish line for the all-star break, but you got to just double down one more time, find your energy, 
uh, and, and clean those things up. And hey, no better opportunity than, than against Columbus and San Jose. Like you can actually mess up a few times and probably not pay for it. Doesn't mean that you should be going into it with that mindset, no. but you know, I think that is the reality. I was gonna say, get, be careful, RJ, because that's very close to what you're talking about last post game live, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been more about Chicago than St. Louis. Yes, yes. Uh, Sam, I think people notice more penalties when teams have a suspect penalty kill. Also, we don't have any real goons on the team. Yeah, and it, well, that's a good thing. I don't think goons serve the same yeah. purpose that they used to. And yes, that that would be part of it too. Is if your team gives up, you know power play goals you're going to notice when you get those penalties definitely um let's see uh <laughs> people uh light i would never wish another player get hurt but i won't lie i wouldn't have a problem with a certain pretty boy over on the jackets to get a few hard clean rides yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see what the response is to cole Sillinger if there is one yeah well like i said because he did square up an answer for the maddie hit like vince dunn made him yeah and I mean, so in some respects, you do wonder if that will then be it. I could see that being it. Um, it's one of those things, too, where, like I said, there was a real part of me when I saw that that matchup of of him with Cartier and Tanev. I did wonder about that. Like I do wonder right. if that's partly why they put that line together. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, Zoe, Zoe saying if Dunner is playing, I feel like we'll see something. I don't know if he's if he's going to be playing, but still maybe not quite at 100 percent. I don't know that he'll he would risk that for another fight, given he already did fight him. Yeah, I, I don't think he would. I think if you see someone go after Cylinder, it'll be somebody else, not Vince Dunn. You don't want Vince Dunn fighting. The only reason he jumped in there is because he was the man right there on the spot. Yep. You can send a message, you know, unless Matty somehow or somebody else takes a big hit and Dunn happens to be right on the spot. I don't see him being the one to step in. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, Light, I think they should play Tate McRae songs when he's on the ice. No reason. Just think it'd be cool. <laughs> you know, you know, that might be uh, might be something to do. Wait, Dylan, we have some connections in the organist community around here. See if we can organize something. As you so subtly just happen to be looking. Hey, I'm right I'm not looking over at that side. I'm looking at the other side of it. All right, all right. Um, okay, I thought it was the side I was looking at at first, and then realized it's the wrong side. But all right, support just to stay committed. Um, that's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, Vince can't fight, so Ty Cartier, come on down from light again. If if something, I I kind of tend to agree with with B and with URJ. Dunn just wrecked him last game. Lol, it might just end there. I think it will. I think it will too. Yeah. All right, if uh, we'll do a quick last call here for everybody. We kind of previewed it a little bit, RJ. I'm looking forward to this next game against Columbus. I think it'll be nice to if Gru does get the start. It'll be nice to see him back in net. I think that's going to be a big deal. Um, looking forward to that from him. And then hopefully the team plays a little bit better in front of him than they played in front of Joey tonight. Right. I mean, it's lined up as the perfect get-right game. You just yes. have to go in and do your part. Like, you know, the opponent is is there. The win is there for the taking. If you work hard, you play your game, the win will be there. Yep, definitely. And on so, kids' night. Oh, it is? It's kids' night? It is kids' night, yeah. There's a Kraken Kids Lunchbox giveaway. Oh, that's right, yeah. That looked good. Yeah. They were showing a bunch of kids, and they showed some kids with some soft serve that got Edzo very excited on the broadcast, RJ. I heard about that, but I didn't see it, of course, because I was here. He was freaking out get over the, the soft serve ice Yes, cream. get the man some soft serve. You want to win some some brownie points with Edzo. That's apparently the way to do it, I guess. 
<laughs> All right. Noted. All right. Uh, hockey stack cards look good for the Kraken tonight, despite the result from Zoe. I do believe that. I mean, they they did they did some stuff. Uh, Nicole saying we've lost all previous kids' nights. Uh-oh. No, they're going to be fine this time. It's a new team, different thing. We're doing good with giveaway nights. Like, we've, yeah. got, the, we've got the stuff now. Call up Jane just for kids' night? That would be hysterical. Shane and Winterton. Just that call would them be up for that so game. much Send fun. Send it back though. down. That would be so much fun, though. Jake, everyone watch some PWHL games. Definitely agree with Jake on that one. Everybody give those uh, a look because they, they are a lot of fun. Uh, they're Sam, on YouTube. It's nice and easy. Yeah, it's super easy. Sam, don't hurt them physically, hurt them psychologically and mentally. Columbus is especially weak to that throughout their history. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Light, I do think Dunn has had two really good games coming back. I do think he was a big missing part, and Maddie was looking way better than he did after his injury last year. I agree with that on Maddie tonight. Like, yes, there was some rust and some missed opportunities, but you could tell he was in the right spot more times than not. Yeah, and in the first period, too, he wasn't scared. I saw him just kind of cycling around, making those tight turns that he likes to make, holding the puck. You know, he looked like Maddie. Yeah, definitely. And then absurdly saying, thanks for the smiles on an otherwise disappointing evening. Mavs and Birds lost two. Good night, everybody. Good night, absurdly saying. One quick reminder for everybody. Going to do the shout out to Flatstick Pub. Of course, they're, they're post-game. One dollar off beer if you went to the Kraken game at the South Lake Union location. Looking forward to the watch party there next month on the 13th against the Islanders. And then, of course, on Monday, we've got the Prospect Live chat where I'll be talking. Well, if we want to talk, we could talk about the Birds everything but i'll definitely be talking chalet yanni newman nicholas coco all the guys who participated at the world juniors gonna be a lot of fun for that one really looking forward to it and uh we will see you all on sunday for the game after columbus it should be good let's go yeah. <laughs>